Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's a full house today. Mark, Maddie, Michael, Gordy. How is everybody doing on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon? Just lovely. You're extra lovely today, right? Because you're the the potential hope future of your franchise played well last night and the Flyers won. So good evening for you, right? It was great. I'm a little delirious. It was a late night, but <laughs> excellent. We'll see how this goes. Michael Gordy, how are you guys doing today? Uh, pretty good. Can't complain. It's awfully cold, I think, recently here where we are. Yeah, I heard uh, Tracy, who writes for us, was saying that um, it was slightly windy in uh, Swift Current, Saskatchewan the other day, where like tin roofs of buildings were being blown off. Like all of a sudden, Canada went from, you know, it'll be nice for a day to, oh, hellacious wind, hellacious snow and cold. So hasn't quite gotten here yet. Um, it finally stopped raining. But that's your weather report. And as we always ask, if someone wants to sponsor our weather report at the start of every podcast, please reach out to us. We would love a weather sponsor. Um, Flames last night, two to one overtime losers to the Philadelphia Flyers. I know, shocker, the game went to overtime and the Flames lost. I think I tweeted right before the puck drop. I was like, well, they're going to lose in overtime, and it didn't take very long for the Flames to fall to the Flyers, two to one. Um, Michael, some takeaways from last night. Anything you liked or didn't like? I mean, Oliver Shillington, still very good. Johnny Gaudreau, still very good. Markstrom, 40 something saves again. Like, it's just one of those things where they're not scoring right now, but I mean, they're getting points. And I mean, I think we talked about this last time, but like, yeah, the overtime losses suck. And like, yes, there's always a couple of teams every year that end up with like 15 of them and miss the playoffs. But at the same time, they're avoiding regulation losses when they aren't playing their best games. So it was kind of a, it was just another one of those, like you would have liked them to win, but there were some individual performances at least that you can be happy about. Gordy, your takeaways from last night? I just remember a couple seasons ago when uh, three-on-three overtime was first introduced. It almost felt like a relief when the Flames got through like a tied game through regu- regulation into overtime because they were just almost automatic in the extra period. Like Gaudreau and Monaghan were probably the best duo in the league in these last two years, and this year especially, just it, it goes to overtime, and it's the opposite now. It's you just feel the loss coming on. They, they made it to a shootout once. They've lost five games in overtime. And, yeah, like Michael said, like sometimes those keep you out of the playoffs if you if you rack too many of them up. Maddie, from the Philadelphia perspective last night, what did the Flyers do in the extra frame? I mean, it wasn't very long. Um, what, is, you know, what is it about how they played against Calgary that, you know, allowed them to get the full two points? I think they just got a little lucky. Um, I mean, Provorov forced a, a turnover there, and like Gaudreau was gassed at that point. And like you, you get a two on one, and it's there's not a ton you can do there, especially when it's Couturier and Atkinson. Yeah. So 
Um, I'm not too fussed about really what the Flames did. Um, I think it was a weird game in general. It's just like it happens sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I look at that overtime and, you know, Johnny Gaudreau had 10 shots on goal last night. That's a career high. His assist, he's now like eighth all-time in points, sixth all-time in assists, something like that. He broke, he set two career milestones last night with his assist on Chillington's goal. Um, 10 shots on goal. He skated like a maniac. I saw the same thing you saw, Maddie. The minute he started to dig back after that turnover, it wasn't going to be good. He was gassed. He had, and Gaudreau can skate. He's one of the Flames' best skaters. He's fast. And guys, I don't know if you noticed it like Maddie and I did, but he looked fried. Like the minute that puck left his stick and they started going the other way, his head was down and he was like the little engine that could, but he couldn't, right? Everybody shaking yeah, their head. Okay, we're all... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gordy, go. No, so he was just, he gave it his all, but he had, he had nothing left, which is kind of surprising. It was only. 40, 45 seconds or so into overtime. Yeah, I didn't even realize how short it was until I checked it afterwards. And I thought, you know, I even said, like, you know, if they look tired, they should have just dumped the puck back to Anderson, rolled the two forwards off, brought on two new guys, and just killed a little more time. You know, they, you know, you don't have to win overtime in the first 45 seconds. They give you five minutes, use it to your full advantage and, you know, take your time. But, I mean, it is what it is. The Flames got a point. Sutter uh, took, I think, two questions after the game last night, and he's like, got to get on the bus. It was very Bill Belichickian last night after the game where it's like, you know, we're a, we're on to Buffalo, and he was done. He wanted nothing to say. Oliver Shillington, very upset uh, after the game last night. Uh, I believe his quote was, uh, we got to fix some shit. Uh, <laughs> direct quote on air to Pat Steinberg, which was actually kind of funny to watch some scrambling afterwards and apologizing. But I like that fire out of Shillington. I like Everything I am seeing out of Oliver Shillington um, had the Flames only goal last night. He uh, he's now tied his career high in goals. He's only played in 15 games this year, and he now has a point in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven out of his last 12 games. Michael, I'm going to throw it to you first because I know you are the official president of the Oliver Shillington Fan Club. Uh, what more can we say about him? I think every week we just have something. We just repeat like he's just awesome. Well, yeah, that's the thing with him. It's not just that he's been good, but it's that he's been taking steps every time we talk about him since like our last podcast too. Like it just seems like each week he's kind of finding a new element to his game. And to see that in just like you said, 15 games this year, like I know pretty much every podcast last year, especially once it looked like the flames were pretty out of it. We were saying like, get them in there, get these guys in there to get them going and they still really didn't with him, but he's just to see him learning as quickly as he is. And I think a lot of that comes from Tanev as well. Like that's a guy where you can take a chance and learn some things. Cause you know, he'll cover you if you uh, make the mistakes, but I, I'm just so shocked. Like I think you could probably argue he has been the flames best defenseman this year. And for this to come completely out of left field, like yes, the things were always there, but to see him doing it with the flames too, it's just, it's so nice to see because at that point we all thought it was a write-off. Like, let's just trade him, give him a chance somewhere else to see it with him doing it with the flames. Now, which is something that is so uh, such a breath of fresh air, especially under Sutter, which we didn't see that coming either. Yeah. And credit to Daryl Sutter on that too, Michael, we talked about this last week, the fact that he's not an old stubborn guy, you know, he let Shillington play his three and a half minutes in the season opener against Edmonton. Then he sat him got him out of the doghouse and he's been a revelation and he's helped Chris Tanev because Tanev's game was bad at the start of the season. He was being dragged down. Uh, Maddie, when it comes to other flames defensemen, um, Uso Valimaki, uh, Valimaki is apparently deep in the Daryl Sutter doghouse. Uh, does not appear. He trusts him at all. 
are we going to see Valamaki anytime soon? Or are we going to get a look at Michael Stone before we see Valamaki? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's one of those things, like, I am such a strong believer in you have to, like, work through whatever issues you're dealing with, whatever you're fighting with, and just sitting isn't going to help that. But I, I don't have a lot of faith that we're going to see him very soon. Gordy, Valamaki, um, working through things, or is this just a symptom of, you know, as weird as it sounds to say, could Branson and Zadorov are playing fine? They don't really need to come out of the lineup right now. Yeah, I think you you said it best. Like Valamaki is definitely in the Daryl Sutter doghouse, but I, I I think Zadorov was kind of earning that spot for a couple of games there. I think he clearly learned some stuff when he sat, but recently I, he's looked replaceable again. He's taken some bad penalties. He's He's kind of just doing his thing out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got in, but it, like you don't want to be sitting young defensemen or young players in general. And the fact that he sat for so many games in a row is not a good sign that maybe Sutter's more comfortable doing that than playing him. And, and we'll see how it goes down the stretch. Speaking of penalties, we'll get to the penalty kill because this will lead directly into that. But the Flames took four penalties last night and we're lucky to probably only take four. Um, Kachuk had a couple that he probably easily should have gone back to the bench. Uh, Michael Backlund has been fined $5,000 for his hit last night, which I uh, was called boarding during the game, but ended up being a cross check. I have no problem with that. It was an ugly hit. There was really no need for it. Um, dangerous play. And I'm the biggest Michael Backlund fan on the planet. If you ever listen to this, you know, I'm like, he's like my binky on the team. And, um, although he may be getting placed by Zadorov soon enough. Uh, but, like, uh, Backlund, I didn't like the hit. He's not a dirty player. I think he was just being aggressive. Everybody good with uh, Black Backlund getting a little bit of a fine for that hit? Yeah, and especially, like, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I, I've had some issues with how player safety is dealing with these kinds of dangerous hits so far this season. So um, I don't think he was trying to hurt Konechny there, but, you know... It, you got to kind of lay down the law there if you want to cut down on those kinds of dangerous plays, especially like that distance from the boards. It's like, it's yeah. really rough. Yeah. And I looked at, out of the four penalties too. Amanji Pani's, he was mad. He looked, he said, well, he looked like he thought he could interfered with on the face off because Philly, when you watch that game, they were running picks left and right off face-offs, interfering with the Flames. And they finally got called for it at one point. But Amanji Pani got frustrated and grabbed a stick and held it for too long. But on the flip side, Kachuk's penalties and Backlund's penalties, um, the Flames are starting to take some dumb penalties out there, Michael. And I'm looking at like Kachuk, and we all love when Kachuk Kachuks, but you know how much Kachuk Kachucking is too much Kachucking at this point. Well, Kachuk, especially like the refs know to look for him now. That's the thing; he's earned the reputation, and like I think that also comes because he's so good at drawing penalties that they also now watch him closely when he's doing dumb things because. They're thinking if I'm giving him a penalty one way, like I have to call some on him the other way. Um, for whatever reason, it seems like whenever the Flames do take their dumb penalties this year, those are the ones that are ending up in the back of their net when they're killing the penalty. It just, it, it seems to be kind of across the board in hockey. Like if you do something dumb, that's that's when you allow the power play goal against. Like I'm even just thinking way back to like when Kachuk did that jumping on the bench thing to block the puck going over the glass. Like they scored on that power play, of course, and not like, the other two in the game where there was like a standard penalty. It just seems like, especially this year, whenever the flames do something dumb, like that's when they give up the goal against too. Like when they definitely didn't need to be shorthanded. 
Yeah, and you even look at like how they played against Ottawa, uh, Gordy. Like Zadorov took like two or three penalties in that game. And I mean, they look like they were just looking like they were trying to goon it up. Um, and that stuff can't be sitting well with Sutter in the locker room, right? Yeah, like kind of touching on the Kachuk thing, but but all all around, like the the rough stuff in the scrums, when it kind of is generated naturally, like that's fine when Kachuk drives hard to the net and it creates a skirmish there. That's fine. It's the stuff last night, though, where he's like he's trying to create it and trying to specifically get under – uh, the other team's skin and they're just not biting. Then he kind of looks a little foolish. So it's, he, he's kind of got to just play his game and people are going to take issue with him. He's going to be in skirmishes, but he can't go out there and try to generate them himself because it's going to keep getting him in trouble. Yeah. I think Kachuk naturally Kachucking is good, you know, and he's just, but like last night, his stick up in the face of Carter Hart where, he, you know, got him in the helmet like there's no need for that type of stuff and the one that i'm surprised he didn't get i forget who he hit but it looked like a wwe like high cross body slam where he comes flying through the scrum stick flying out and bury somebody and i'm like how did that not get called just seemed like they just they're taking dumb penalties which leads us to the penalty kill being completely overworked um part of the re- i mean the flames taking penalties isn't the reason they're losing i mean in a way it can be because they're not playing enough five on five they're playing with the penalty kill. They are 17 out of their last 19 killing, which is absolutely bananas. But now guys like Blake Coleman and Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund are spending more time out defending as opposed to moving with the puck into the offensive end. And if you look at Coleman's stats, Coleman is, uh, I think we were all pretty semi-excited when Coleman got here. Uh, the month of November, he's goalless in uh, every game the Flames have, and he's got two assists. He's only got three goals and three assists on the season. Not, I think, what anybody expected for the amount of money he was making. Maddie, you had the numbers for his five-on-five time versus his penalty kill time. You want to fire those off real quick? Yeah, I have a 59-39 total uh, for five-on-five and then 10-45 on the penalty kill last yeah, five games. Yeah, that's a, to me, that's that's a lot. You take a Coleman away. And is that part of Coleman's struggles, Michael? Do you think maybe is is Coleman not just because he's not getting the chances or did we get too excited and pay Coleman too much money? Well, I think like they brought in Coleman to be this kind of guy who kind of played almost a backland ish role. Like maybe the money was a bit much, but like I still think it's better off that he's kind of playing this kind of role. Like, yes, you'd like to see him put up a few points, like a few more points, but apart from like the last couple of years where he had like really good opportunities, like he's always been kind of like a middle of the pack offensive guy, like not quite as slow as we've seen yet, but it's definitely slowing him down. I would say playing as much as he is on the PK, but at the same time, the flames really haven't done a good job of finding more scoring out of their other three lines besides their top line. So like, I, I imagine he's going to turn it around, but I don't, I'm not super opposed to playing him as much as he is on the PK just because he is, for the most part, pretty good at it. And, like, same with, like, defensive zone faceoffs and stuff like that. But I, I just think Coleman, um, it, it'll come for him. But I just think they need to figure out more of their other forward lines before we really see him start to kind of settle in. And, Maddie, the Elias Lindholm front, too. Lindholm plays a lot out there, too, on that penalty kill because he's such a good two-way player. Um, do you think that's kind of maybe slowly dragged his numbers down, too? Because he's cooled off. I mean, Manjipani picked it right back up. And, uh, Lindholm's been uh, pretty cool as of late. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too bothered by his play overall. I mean, mm-hmm. he was bound to cool off a little bit. Like, there's no way that pace to start the season yeah. was going to be sustainable. But 
Yeah, I mean, that's playing that many minutes is going to wear a guy down over the course of the season. So um, if they could limit him a little bit more, that would probably be ideal. But yeah. He also got pretty beat up too last night. The Flyers took it to him. They were extremely physical, which the Flames, I think, held their own pretty well in a game like that because they now have some guys. They've got some of that old truculence back on the ice. Um, Gordy, somebody I'm having a little trouble with his game, and I don't know if it's just the line he's playing on or he's just not confident right now, is Dylan Dubé. Uh, Dubé did not have a good game last night. I think he looked terrible with the puck on his stick. Um, You got any thoughts on Dubé's play as of late? Well, it's really felt like since the minute Daryl Sutter got here, he's had problems with Dubé. It, it feels like if he's calling somebody out by name in the media. Oh, we lost Gordy. Um, I think we'll pick up. I think. Oh. Yeah, no, I, got, I think I no, you dropped out there for a little bit and then came back in, but I think I get your point. Like, it's just he's not – he doesn't fit in right now anywhere with what Sutter's looking for, and his game has definitely um, suffered for that. Um, Michael, you posed a question on Twitter, like, who do you think the Flames' best forward is right now? And the responses were uh, fairly um, predictable. Um, everybody's very high on number 13 right now. Um, let's go around the board. Matty, uh, who do you think the Flames' best forward is currently? Mm, I mean, right now, probably Gaudreau or Mangiapane. Gordy? Yeah, I I agree with both those, actually. I think they both bring a different element, but by far the best. Michael? I think Gaudreau is a pretty easy answer. Like, I also impartial to Lindholm just because he's uh, so good at, like, all ends of the ice with it. Like, He's still the only flame over a point per game right now. Like he's still got a lot of good going for him, but like Gaudreau's just on such a different level right now that I think I still have to stick with him. But like Lindholm's right there for me too, along with Manjapani. Yeah, I think it's probably a tie between 13 and 88. I just Manjapani's game is just watching him for a small guy with speed who likes to score. He goes into the places small guys with speed who like to score shouldn't go. And I love it. I love that he gets in people's faces that are bigger than him after plays. You know, he's. He's just his game is just rounding out and becoming such so much fun to watch. And we talked the other day, Michael Gaudreau's 200 foot game. You know, he's become a defender save last night, you know, with the turnover in overtime, his his back check, his forecheck is he's become a very well-rounded player. Obviously, a contract year that always helps. And when you're playing, I don't know if you guys heard, but he's from sort of near Philadelphia. So when you're playing against your, your, your hometown people, uh, you know, you get a little extra giddy up in your step. But yeah, I, I think both of uh, both of those guys will be fine. And I don't have any problems with Lindholm either because he does things that aren't spectacular while still doing the spectacular, like killing penalties and stuff like that. So um, no issues with that stuff there. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to look at the upcoming schedule for the Flames. And we will also take a reader question in regards to the Flames' pathetic overtime play. We'll be right back after these messages. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Michael, Maddie, Gordy here today. Um, we just went over a little bit of the Flames play uh, last night against the Flyers in their 2-1 OT. Forwards, and as always, um, let's get a quick look at this road ahead. Uh, the Flames have got the Sabres on Thursday and then a tough back-to-back between the Islanders and the Bruins going Saturday and Sunday. Um, and then finally, they get a slight break to go home and play some normal game times for uh, you folks who are in mountain times or on the West Coast. But um, Buffalo uh, started off hot and then immediately came crashing back to earth. Um, what are everybody's uh, what are your thoughts as the Flames head into Buffalo? Um, again, this is another one of those games on this trip that should be a win. But as we've seen, that doesn't always happen with the Flames. Maddie, go. Yeah, I. I don't want to be too worried about this one. And even the Islanders and the, the Bruins are not playing super well right now. Um, but I think that makes me more afraid that I like should be confident, but I don't know that I am. Yeah. I mean, like you look at the road trip right now, four, uh, two loss at Montreal, two, one overtime loss at Toronto, which uh, Dan Vladar was out of his mind in that game played so well. Um, you know, it's a shame they had to lose that one. They took care of the senators like they should have four to nothing. Lose to Philly two to one in overtime. Michael, uh two out of three in these next three good, or the should the Flames take all three? Um, I'm just gonna start with the Buffalo game and just say, like, I think they have to win that one. Like, there's no way around it. Like, it's Buffalo's kind of been struggling lately, although they have like picked up some better wins of late. Um the Islanders in Boston are going to be really tough because, like, the Islanders, they're opening their new arena on Saturday night, so that's going to be a big challenge. And then Boston always plays the Flames tough. That's going to be a back-to-back. So, like, I-, I feel a lot better with this road trip just if they beat Buffalo and maybe we can hope for a split out of the other two. But, like, at this point, I'm hoping just, like, three points in the next three games and go from there kind of thing. So you're looking at three overtime losses. It's not, Probably. not, out, of, yeah. not out of the question. Gordy, would you be uh, happy with Michael's scenario? Yeah, I, I agree with Michael. Where like Buffalo is a must-win. They they shouldn't have lost against San Jose or Montreal, so they have to make that up. And then yeah, it's kind of weird scenario with the Islanders and their new arena. Like you know, they're going to be pushing as hard as they can to get a win. And then you know, is it crazy to think that Dan Vladar could start against his old team on Sunday against Boston? And you know, it, it, guys ought to do really well or choke or you know, kind of don't show up in those games. So we'll see how that goes. Ideally, two of three with how bad most of this road trip's gone, but with minimum Buffalo. Yeah, and I, I definitely think, obviously, you're going to get a split between Vladar and Markstrom coming up on Saturday, Sunday. Um, I'm assuming they'll toss Markstrom back in net on Thursday to get him, you know, 
get him back and going. Cause I thought he played, he played really well um, last night. Uh, I, I kind of agree. I think three points is good. Um, I've been to the Boston garden a million times to see the flames play. And it's like a house of horrors. Um, that is not a good place for the flames to play. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was a tough one. I'm also kind of surprised that both of those games are 7 PM Eastern time starts. Um, I get the New York one cause they're open in the arena, but the Bruins game on a Sunday screams an afternoon game, which probably isn't a bad thing that the flames aren't playing in the afternoon in Boston. Cause we know how bad the flames are in both of those scenarios. So, um, that's good. Even with their poor play, as we look at the standings in the Pacific, um, Anaheim, Rolling on that 8-0-2, eight-game win streak is now in first place in the Pacific Division uh, with Edmonton in second, the Flames in third. But still, even with how poorly the Flames have played, 4-2-4 and four in their last 10, they're still only two points out of the top of the division standings. Once again, the Pacific Division, hot dumpster fire of weirdness, right? It's always something. Sidebar, did anybody see that, uh, the Trevor Zegras overtime winner? No. Was that last night? He's ridiculous God. right now. He, he's oh, figured it so out, good. and he's just ridiculous. Oh, it's so good. But, I mean, the Ducks. Did anybody think the Ducks would be this good right now, this early? I mean, everything seeks its own level. And I, as much as he drives us nuts, and I hate looking at his ugly, bald, vulture head, congrats to Ryan Getzlaff getting his 1,000th NHL point last night with the Anaheim Ducks, no former Calgary hitman. But, um, yeah, the Pacific is just, once again, that division where you just go, it's like last, like, Last person with the puck wins the division at the end of the year, Michael. Maybe I like it's just such a weird spot. Yeah, for me, like the Ducks, like I was kind of looking because I was working on like the power rankings before this. Like I was looking into their winning streak, and it's like they have played a lot of not very good teams on the streak up until their win over Washington last night. So like, I still think they come back down to earth a bit, but they've just been getting such good play from like John Gibson and some of the young guys like Zegers and Drysdale, and then like Gitzlaff suddenly looking ten years younger than he is, like. They're going to be good. The Pacific's kind of a mess top to bottom. The Kings kind of look like they're around again. So, I don't know. I think the Flames should still have a pretty good crack at top three, but it's uh, it doesn't look as simple as it did even a couple of weeks ago. No, and even below uh, Calgary, Gordy, you know, you got uh, the Kings who are, you know, 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They had a good um, six-game winning streak going. Vegas is, you know, hauled off seven out of their last 10, and, you know, between Vegas, um, if you want to even include San Jose in that, it's four points from San Jose to Calgary in third place. Uh, Flames got to get, uh, it's early, but they got to get going, right? Yeah, like like you said, like six of eight of the teams are hanging around a 60 winning per- or points percentage and losing in overtime is good. You get a point. Montreal got in over Calgary last year, but yeah, you guys are all making good points. Anaheim is a really young upcoming team. Los Angeles is kind of hard to get a, a read on and Vegas is going to get their top guys back from injury at some point, which unfortunately includes Jack Eichel now. So yeah. Calgary needs to build these points early before these teams either get hot or regress. Yeah. And same thing with San Jose. I haven't checked their injury report, but when the flames played them, they had 11 players out between injury and COVID. Those guys are all going to come back too. And so that makes them an even tougher team to play against in the Pacific. Um, our one reader question uh, came from the old Twitter machine. I'm going to look it up right now. If you will bear with me here. I am the ultimate in preparedness. Um, it was just basically a question about the Flames. What are they going to do in overtime? Why are they so bad? And how? what can they do to change how they play in overtime? Anybody got a thought on that? I mean, is it just is overtime just luck? Who's tired? Who's not tired? Who you put out there? Uh, Maddie, what are your thoughts? 
I think it's a crapshoot. I mean, I wish I had the answers, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of a crapshoot and hopefully they get some positive regression, a bit of luck going their way. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Michael, did you bring up the point? Was it last night or today? Was it you or was it something? That every, like all the points tend to blend in after a while. But um, why not Shillington, Lindholm, Gaudreau as the first line you put out there? I, I don't hate the idea of that. I think it's, I mean, it's worth a shot. Shillington's been playing well. I might not put him with Gaudreau just because then you have like two very offensively focused guys out there. But like. I think he's more than earned at least a chance to start overtime going forward. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of with Maddie. Like, overtime, it kind of just – it's a crapshoot. So, like, hopefully the Flames, by the end of the year, like, maybe they can be 8-8 eight and eight in overtime or something. But, like, yeah. it's one of those things where it's, like, if you just make one mistake in overtime, like, you stay on a bit too long, you make one turnover, like, usually it's a two-on-one or worse back the other way. So, at some point, you'd like to see them bury their chances. Like that, uh, I think it was Monaghan against the Leafs the other night, where it's like he got the puck in front, but just like spent five seconds trying to turn around to get a shot. And by then, like the puck was going the other way. And it was just like, why are you even on the ice at this point? So I think the Flames are just, I think eventually it's going to all kind of settle out for them. Like it's, it's like the shoot. It's like, it's basically a coin flip every night. Like these are all amazing hockey players. At a similar skill level. So I think it'll come, but it's just, it's so frustrating right now to see them going one and five and something used to be so good at. Yeah. And they're tied with, by the way, with Washington for the most loser points in the league with five. They each have five overtime losses. So yay. And this is why I hate overtime. Like you shouldn't get a point if you don't win, but that's just me. Um, Gordy, uh, in the Monaghan thing, I'm like, I can't even with Monaghan anymore. Like watching him just hold the puck, hold the puck, hold the puck, hold the puck, and then shoot it right into a defender skates is driving me insane. Um, Gordy, any any thoughts on overtime? Or are you excited about possibly going into the shootout with Sutter rolling out like a Zadorov, Pitlick, and Trevor Lewis, you know, shootout lineup? Yeah, like when it when it's overtime, I'm I'm not sure why they're pushing Anderson as their top option so hard. I I think he is their best defenseman, but in that scenario, he's he's just not aggressively carrying the puck enough or fleet of foot enough in all honesty to be their top option I would be putting Hannafin or Shillington out there with Gaudreau and Lindholm to start um like he's he's good it's just it's such a wide open space and he's you see him on the power play like he just adamant adamantly refuses to carry the puck in himself so I'd I'd still put him out but just not as early yeah, maybe drop him down to that second line and move somebody a little more offensive minded up. But, I mean, Shillington is definitely offensive minded, but he can also get back. He's got he's got wheels. He can turn and go. Uh, by the way, uh, Trevor Lewis. Anybody? Anybody want to pay to have his skate sharpened? How many times did he fall down last night in that game? It was the he looked like uh, who's the little flame? Who used to fall all? The, oh, it was Bennett. He looked like Sam Bennett out there, just constantly falling down. <laughs> it's like every time I turn around, I'm like. And then Pitlick, like, going after that puck that was going into the zone, it turned out to be icing. Watching him skate after that puck was just the saddest thing I've ever seen. So those are going to be my two my two nitpicky dumb things from that game. It's just, Trevor Lewis, get your skate sharpened, buddy. Stand up. We already had a Sam Bennett. Hey, we got to mention Sam Bennett in a podcast, so that worked out well. Um, anybody got anything else? Yeah, absolutely. He's not. He, he, he turned out okay. Uh, anybody else got anything they want to add before we get out of here? Andy, anything uh, Flyers-related, Flames-related? Yeah. Uh, all of no. the prospects are still hurt. That's all I'm thinking about today. All right. Fair enough. Gordy, anything you want to add before we get out of here? 
Uh, I don't think so today. <laughs> Fair enough, Michael. You got anything? I just want to touch on your like Tyler Pitlick thing. Like, I don't think I've ever seen like a clumsier looking player on the ice. Like, it just, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like he's like coordinated out there. Like, he always just seems to kind of be like stumbling around. And then like same with Lewis. Like, it seems like every time you see Lewis, he just got like ran over by somebody. But he's supposed to be like one of like Sutter's big guys that can take the hits and stuff. So I'm just. I'm with you. It's just like the weirdest two players to watch on the ice because they don't really do much, but they're always like on the ground at the same time. So I don't get it. All right. I'm glad somebody else picked up on that too. Cause I'm like, maybe I'm just being like overly critical of things like how, you know, we, we gave Nikita Nesterov a hard time last year because he looked like he was a thousand years old. And, you know, there's always somebody on that team that, that, uh, seems to be like our, our, the person we pick on, but I'm glad, I'm glad that you saw that as well. Cause I was watching that game and I was like, Lewis, stand up, dude. You have one job and it's to skate, not lay down on the ice. So, <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed all that hard-hitting analysis, you can find this podcast on iTunes or Google Podcast or Spotify. Just search up The Tinderbox or Matchsticks and Gasoline and you will find us. Please download and like us and subscribe. All that other fun stuff. As the kids say, smash that button. I don't have that horn that goes, me, 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 me. So we can't do that. Um, you can also find us on the web at www.matchsticksandandgasoline.com, on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY, and on the Instagram as well at MatchsticksCGY. Flames, no game tonight. Got the night off. They are coming back to take on the Buffalo Sabres. That will be Thursday. That'll be a 5 p.m. Mountain Time start, 7 p.m. in the East. And Islanders and Bruins wrap up this road trip this weekend. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.